Hey, it's Lori from Hike. I'm wishing all of my listeners a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Just a quick note before we get into the episode. I will be taking New Year's Eve off and we'll be back with more episodes in 2021. Today, I am bringing you John Cranston. He hiked the Pinhoti Trail, and so I really wanted to get more information out there about the Pinhoti, especially after one of my listeners requested it. We also talk about section hiking the Appalachian Trail and the Benton Mackay Trail. So take a listen to my conversation with John and check the show notes for links to reach him and, of course, to connect with me. I'm here with John Cranston. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing okay. I've gotten a chance to to find you when I was researching the Pinhoti Trail. So I'm excited to learn more about the trail. Actually, one of my listeners requested that I bring that trail to to a show to to one of my episodes. So I was like, okay, well, let's see what it's all about. So, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you at right now? Uh, so I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and so we're enjoying some balmy weather for Christmas. Um, and I just got done actually doing a through hike of the Benton Mackay Trail a couple weeks ago. So. Oh, nice. Nice. So yeah, I've featured the Benton Mackay Trail. That's a great trail. It is, unless you do it right after the hurricane. Then, and then not. No. So was there a lot of blowdowns for you? There was a a section in Georgia near Blue Ridge where there was literally probably a thousand blowdowns all on top of each other over the trail where I was having to hike. And I literally had to climb up on top of the pile. I was probably 30 or 40 feet above the trail on this pile of trees. And I looked down the trail as far as I could. And 50, 60 yards down, I could finally see where the trees had stopped collapsing on top of each other and the trail opened back up again. So... I decided I could either turn around and try and find my way back to the trail on some roads nearby, or I could try to maneuver American Ninja Warrior style <laughs> through the blowdowns, which I did and proceeded to lose. So I lost something out of my out of my bag while I was in there. I don't even remember what it was now, but I lost a piece of gear somewhere in the blowdowns. So the American Ninja style did work eventually, but but maybe don't recommend that for others if they're not as adventurous. I recommend you wait until the till the maintenance crews come through and clean up if if the hurricane happened two days before you go on trail. So I didn't even know that uh, that it affected down there just recently. So um, what other damage was done? Um. It's mainly just, you know, a lot of property damage from trees and then power was out all over North Georgia. When I drove to Amicalola to start the hike over there, like there was no power at the lodge. There was no power at the visitor center. I was having to stop on my way. There was um, crews actually cutting trees out of the road on my way to the park. So I think the day after I left, they got power back at the park, but now we're out out in the wilds out there. There just hadn't been maintenance yet, which, you know. Unfortunately, when you're trying to schedule a hike and you've kind of got, this is the date, so I'm going to do it, and you're off of work, and so you just got to, you know, you got to go or you just have to abandon the trip. So Yeah. 
I decided to go ahead and just deal with deal with it. But yeah, it's part of hiking. I mean, you know, you got to adapt or go home. So, so the Benton Mackay, that's kind of similar in length, pretty much to the Pinhoti, right? It's about fifty miles shorter, but yeah, it's pretty pretty close. As Benton Mackay, I'd actually say is more difficult than the Pinhoti. <laughs> Yeah. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, well, yeah, we'll get into the Benhodi in a little bit, but you know, so obviously you hike a lot. Um, you know, if you just did the Benton Mackay or, or, you know, you have some experience hiking. So just uh, tell right. me a little more about kind of your background. Have you always, you know, been into the outdoors? You know, what, what kinds of trails have you done? Well, when I grew up, you know, like most kids in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, when it was, summertime or daytime at all your mom kicked you out of the house and you just wandered around in the neighborhood until it was dark and you came home for dinner so fortunately we lived in an area of town back then where we had a giant cornfield behind us and then probably a mile from there there was what we call in the south a mountain it might have been 800 feet above sea level but it was all wooded and so you know we'd get on our bikes and we'd ride to where the wood started and we'd hike all day long you know and that was like kind of like an everyday thing we just wandered around in the woods and you know caught crawfish and tadpoles and frogs and you know we'd start little fires and just whatever you know i hung out with some older guys and we'd just hang out you know outside so did that most of the time when i was a kid then i got into boy scouts and you know got into more camping and doing stuff like that and then you know got a little older and got into more into cars and stereos and things like that. So I kind of quit doing outdoorsy stuff for a while. Um, in college, I kind of got back into hiking just as something to do on the weekends. I'd kind of get out and, you know, hike in, in the state park near where I lived at the time. So I did that for most of college and I mountain biked at that time too. And then I had a really bad mountain bike wreck and sold my mountain bike because the wreck was that bad. I was like, I'm not riding ever again. I'm done with this. So then I kind of got out of doing outdoor stuff. I, kinda, I got married and just kind of got busy with life, you know, working. And we, you know, here in Birmingham, we've got a state park. We've got a lot of small trails around here. And so we would occasionally go out to the park and just do stuff like that, just hike here and there. Um, and so I don't remember what kind of got me back into it. I, I remember... For some reason, I got was looking for something to watch on YouTube, and I saw Dixie's videos. Sorry, oh, that was interesting. You know, I, I've heard of the Appalachian Trail. I heard of it in Boy Scouts, and I knew my uncle had hiked part of it, and, and my uncle was very outdoorsy. He's part of what got me in outdoors as well. He was a photographer for National Geographic. He's, you know, ran a guide business in Alaska for 30-plus years. I mean, so he's very outdoorsy, so, you know, he would, you know, back in the old days when we didn't have digital cameras, I remember he would come back to my grandparents' house with just cassettes loaded with slides of all the trips he had done. So we would just sit there for hours and sometimes days while he would go through and just narrate through all these slides of all these beautiful places he had been. So all that kind of had the basis. So like I said, I was watching Dixie's videos and some other outdoor videos and I thought, man, you know, it'd be cool to, into, into more backpacking because even in scouts we didn't really backpack we would go you know pretty much car camping we'd load all our stuff up yeah. go out walk to a campsite you know you know best case a quarter of a mile maybe 
from the from the vehicles when they set up camp and we'd hike while we were out, but it wasn't you know, you're like always going back to camp, you know, you're not. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. We, you can wander off during the day and then you come back in camp and, you know, you're not having to haul anything with you. You know, you dump everything out there and you got coolers and you got food and, you know, you know, which is great. I mean, that's, you know, definitely a way to enjoy the outdoors. Um, so my wife and I decided we should, you know, maybe start doing some car camping with kids. So we did a couple, you know, trips to local state parks like that and then I was kind of like man I think I want to hike you know on the AT I think that'd be cool so I kind of mentioned it to my wife I said hey I'm thinking about you know, I'd like to maybe do a week or something on the Appalachian Trail I think that'd be cool and she's like well I want to go and I'm like really so at the time I mean I didn't have any gear or anything so I'm trying to like compile gear on the cheap just so we can go on this trip and just see if we even like it. So that has turned into she and I now two weeks in the summer every year do a section of the Appalachian Trail. So except for 2020, we yeah. postponed our trip because Virginia was completely shut down. And you know, as someone who has a YouTube channel and you know, your people see you in the outdoors, you want to be compliant with what the laws are. And I don't want to go, well, you know. I'm going to blatantly disregard the law because I want to do my section hike. You know, I've got this planned out and I'm supposed to be off work and, you know, I don't care what the law is at the time. I'm just going to do what I want to do. So we postponed this year and hopefully 2021 will be better and we'll get to get to do our section. So how, how much of the AT have you done thus far? Like how many, how many miles Uh, or what States have you been covering? So with her, we have done from Springer all the way to Damascus, Virginia. So we've done 471 miles of the trail together. Um, and then I've hiked another, I've hiked portions of Georgia again. And this year, right before COVID, um, I hiked from Springer to Franklin just to see if I could do that in six days. Because the first time for us to get to Franklin, it literally took us two trips but the total amount of days was like 10 or 11 days to do that same 110 miles. So I said, I'm going to go out. I had a friend who was hiking the trail this year. Um, and I've been going to AT kickoff every year. So I said, I'm going to hike out from AT kickoff. He said, I want to hike with you and we'll hike together until we get to Franklin and then he'll keep going and I'll go home. So was that in March that. then? Was that yeah, March? It was in March. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the beginning of March. We found out all that was going on with COVID. You know, when I got to Franklin, I didn't come off trail until Franklin. So I, when I got to Franklin, it was kind of, you know, doom and gloom. And they're like, there's no toilet paper and there's no hand sanitizer and there's no anything. And they're like, it's a good time. I'm glad you came off trail because everything's going crazy. And so. You know, one of the benefits, though, I think of, you know, when you take an approach of section hiking, you can go, you know, whenever you want, you know, whenever it fits into your schedule. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, during the busy time or you can go in the fall when you want to see the colors changing. So it's not like a, a through hike when you're kind of typically going, you know, through the same season as everyone else, because you're trying to get from, you know, start a, you know, point A to, to point B. So, so yeah, so that's interesting. So, so you've got the AT that you're trying to, to check off a little by little, a couple of weeks at a time, which is good. Um, 
And it's great that, you know, your wife is doing it with you. And you said you have some kids that you're introducing them a little bit to car camping and, you know, maybe they're, uh, they're backpackers in training right now. But have you done like a family backpack at all? Yeah, we've done a couple of just short trips, um, you know, five miles or so. They've, they've actually hiked on AT some. We went up and uh, parked at Unicoi Gap and hiked up to Blue Mountain Shelter and then stayed the night in tents up there and then hiked back down the next night or the next day. And then we went up to, um, there's an overlook right before you get to Dick's Creek Gap. Uh, I cannot think of what it's called now. And when we got to Dick's Creek Gap to the hostel that used to be there at the top of Georgia, um, we were racing a rainstorm. We were trying to get to the hostel before the rain came and we, we literally got to the hostel and got under the overhang and the bottom just drops out. And the first thing that people ask me like, Oh, did you go up and look at the overlook? And I'm like, we were racing a rainstorm. We were, we didn't care about overlooks. You know, they're like, Oh, it's the best view in all of Georgia. And we're like, Oh, so we took the kids, we parked at the street gap, hiked up to that overlook, spent the night and then hiked back down the next day. Okay. Taking them on a couple little things like that. They've actually hiked on the Penhody. That was actually the first family backpacking trip we did. We did about a five mile out and then five mile back on the Penhody to one of the shelters in 2016, I guess. When did you first start um, hiking on the Penhody? Well, well, I did that with them in 2016. After my wife and I had hiked on the AT that that first year, we did um, Springer to Big Street Gap. Uh, which we actually thought we were going to get a lot farther because we had been hiking in the state park here and you know we had done a 14 mile day with the kids and we're like we can do 14 miles with kids i mean at is going to be a piece of cake we're going to make it to front end of dam or something you know in in 10 days at is going to be a joke it was not a joke <laughs> so after we came back from that trip we did i said man the penhody is right near us you know we should check that out so i found a spot on the trail where we could park, hike about five miles. I think it was about five miles to a shelter and camp and then come back the next day. That was the first time we went out. And then it, it was kind of in my mind from then on, like, you know, this trail's really close. You know, it'd be something, you know, 350 miles, you know, pretty much. That'd be something I could do, you know, on, you know, over time, or, you know, if I had the time, maybe just knock the whole thing out. So it was just kind of something that kind of the seed was planted once we did that first trip. Let's, let's talk about some basics of the Pinhoti. So you said it's, it's, uh, you know, right under like 350, 350 miles. It's obviously in Alabama, because you were talking about living there. So where does it go from and to, or what are the, the terminus points? So in Alabama, the southern terminus starts at Flag Mountain, which is in Weogusta, Alabama, which is a tiny little town of maybe 100 people or that. So it's kind of near uh, Silicaga, which also isn't a very big town. So it's about an hour, hour and a half from Birmingham. And then the northern terminus is actually in Georgia. It meets the, the Benton Mackay Trail at about mile 72 of the Benton Mackay. And you're kind of out in the middle of you're kind of near Blue Ridge, Georgia. It's kind of in that area. Um, but the terminus is just, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. So so if it meets up with the Benton Mackay, then can you take that and then go to the AT? Is it kind of yeah. this connector? Oh, okay. Or maybe even do like some sort of loop trail or loop hike. Right. Um, 
I think it was 2018, a couple from here in Birmingham, actually, they hiked the Penhody to the Benton Mackay, hiked Sobel on the Benton Mackay to jump on the AT and then did the AT to Katahdin. So, and then I know of a couple people that have actually hiked the Penhody to the Benton Mackay, and then instead of going to the, the Springer, they've actually gone north to where the Benton Mackay ends, you know, at the other end of the Smokies, which is where the AT comes out, and then they've done the rest of the AT that way. So, oh, interesting. You're kind of making your own hike, right? Yeah. Right. And supposedly, I think it was two years ago when I was at AT kickoff, the Benton Mackay Trail Association had mentioned that they were kind of lobbying with the AT to make that as a, like an alternate hike start so that you do the Ben Mackay instead of doing the AT to help, you know, reduce the impact of hikers on the AT, you know, and then kind of crediting it as the same thing as an AT through hike, but just to kind of get some pressure off the AT. So I had heard that was that it was approved, but then I've heard other people say, no, no, that never got approved. So, but again, you know, hiking is about, you know, you've got to do what you enjoy and what you want to do. and you know, it's not really about the certificate or the piece of paper you get. It's about getting out there and enjoying yourself and, you know, hiking your hike and, you know, hiking the trail you want to do it. I mean, if you want to add on the miles to do that alternate and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, hey, I mean, it's still an AT hike. So, so yeah, because you're talking about doing, you know, going out at kickoff and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of people that are starting off at that time. So you're, even though it's staggered a bit, you're, you know, in this bubble. Um, so what, what is it like in comparison? Cause a lot of people know about the AT to hike the Pinhoti. Like what's, what are like the, you know, the geography, cause it still has, you know, some mountains you were talking about flag mountain and right. things and we know where, you know, it's going to, but are you kind of hiking by yourself? Even if you're, you know, doing day hikes, section hikes, what's, what's it like out there? Um, so when I first actually committed to doing the trail in 2018, I hiked with another guy from YouTube and he and I saw maybe one person the entire 107 miles we did together. So at that time, the Pinhoti was not well known at all. Once his videos came out, it has kind of exploded in comparison to what it was. It's still not. AT by any means, but before I quit using Facebook, I was on the Penhody pages for the Facebook, and you would just constantly see people, hey, I'm on the Penhody, I need to know where I can get, you know, resupply or a shuttle or just also, it got to where, you know, you might have heard of 10 or 15 people a year maybe completing the Penhody, to now I think it's probably 100 or more have at least attempted per year. So it's definitely increased traffic-wise, but it's still not, you know, like the AT where you're just going to be constantly, you know, running into people. So it's still a little bit more of a wildernessy, wild. I think in a way it's more challenging than AT. It's kind of reminiscent to me of I haven't done the PCT, but that style, the PCT, CDT, because you have water crossings that you have to do where there's not going to be bridges, where they can be hazardous if it's rained or if it's you know, really cold, whereas the AT, most of the time, you know, you're stream hopping or you've got a bridge and there's no real water crossings per se until Maine, whereas on the Penhody, I mean, probably I'm trying to think where the first 
time you actually have to cross is. But I mean, there's probably a solid 30 water crossings you have to do on the Penhody. I mean, so okay, yeah, that's a lot in <laughs> like under 350 miles. Right. Yeah. Years. There's a lot of, there's a section kind of in the middle where I think you probably crossed the same stream probably 12 or 13 times. So you just kind of like, why am I even taking my shoes off anymore? This is just ridiculous. Because you kind of go, you cross, get your shoes back on, you walk 30 yards. Oh, I'm crossing over that stream again. Were you doing this during, because you said you did it in sections and that one you did 107 miles. Was that in the summertime? Like what kind of, uh, or have you done it in all different seasons? So that time was in February. Oh, so but, like, yeah, late winter. But being the south, you know, the, the Colts that got that whole trip, we were out with 40 degrees. So it wasn't bad at all. I mean, but that's the thing with the south, you know, it could be, it, you could be out there, it could be 60 degrees in February, and then the next day it could be, you know, 20 and raining. I mean, so. So it's a good it's option real- for someone who, maybe, you know, lives in the north or northern part of the country and is wanting to, to get out and do, a, you know, some hiking in the wintertime because, you know, uh, you may not, you, you're not going to get as much of that opportunity in like the right. northern part of the AT or, you know, or something like that. So, so you did that in February and was that the, the first time you had done a long section of it? Yeah, that was the first time I had done a long section of it. Um, so then Later that year, I came back, or I tried to go out in May, and I was going to do the first third. So I did the middle third of it initially. I came back in May, and I was going to do the first third, and I got almost to the trailhead, and we had emergency at the house that we were living in at the time, and I had to turn around and come home. So I had to abandon the trip. Um, I went back out later that year. I want to say I went out in I don't know if it was June. I went back down again, and I ended up going from Flag Mountain all the way to Chihaw State Park. So I did about 85 miles the next trip. Got to the state park and just decided I had a couple more days, but I just I wasn't feeling great. So I just called my wife and said, "Hey, I'm at the park. Can you come get me? You know, I'm I'm ready to go." Um, and it turned out I found out later on. Actually, when I got home, I took my shoes off because I had been running long days. So I was just, you know, I, it was dark by the time I'd get done every day. I'd just get in my tent and I was just, you know, getting in the bed, going to sleep. So when I got home, I took my shoes and socks off and I had a tick embedded in the top of my foot. So I could tell it had been there for a while. So I was mad. I, you know, crushed the tick and then I just said, well, I'll keep an eye on it, you know, and go from there. So I never saw a rash or anything else. And then a couple months later, I started. I was getting really tired all the time and just I was having some weird, I was getting achy and all this stuff. And so I finally said, I need to go to the doctor. And I got a couple eye infections, which I don't usually get eye infections. So I said, I better go to the doctor. Maybe I have Lyme disease. So I went in there, told him what was going on. And he's like, when did you get the tick bite? And I was like, eh, six months. Or, uh, good. He's while. like, why did you wait? So I was like, well, I didn't think it was a big deal. So it turns out um, they did some blood work and then I got a call from the nurse and they said, well, you don't have Lyme disease. You actually have Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So, which is worse, but apparently I didn't have a bad reaction to it. So it was just kind of draining my immune system instead of killing me. And that's also a tick based. So, so ticks carry that as well. 
They do. Usually you get a really bad fever and it can actually kill you. Wow. It's an acute case of it. So, so maybe I guess um, now, I guess, are you, are you checking for ticks when you're out there? Is okay. a little bit more? <laughs> yes, definitely. And, yeah. and I started, you know, treating my girls to the bathroom before I would go out because, you know, I've been on trips on the Penhody, you know, when it's warmer and there's just some areas where there's so many ticks that even checking all the time, you just, yeah, I did notice um, when I was in just in Georgia, you know, hiking mm-hmm. and, and you don't realize how easy it is to get ticks on you being out there. So yeah, it is a good thing to, to be aware of. And like you said, right. you can treat your, your uh, clothes too ahead of time, which is another preventative method. Right. So when you did the 107 ish miles, how long did it take you guys? Were you out for five days? Five days. Oh, okay. So you were putting in long days. I mean, right. you know. Well, the guy that I hiked with, when I approached him about meeting up and hiking with him, he said, well, if you're going to hike with me, you need to be able to at least hike 20 miles a day. And so I said, All well, right. okay, that sounds doable to me. So I hadn't hiked a 20-mile day before that. So I just said, hey, well, whatever, we'll, we'll make it happen. So we ended up. We hiked about 20 miles every day, except the very last day, the Friday that I was coming back home. Um, we actually hiked a 32, 32.4, I think, mile day. So we got up at, we started hiking at 6 a.m. And by noon, I think we had already done 18 and a half or 19 miles. So we stopped at a gas station and ate lunch. And then we kept hiking and we got to the next major trailhead. and. That's where a lady came and picked us up, drove us into town. Uh, my wife met us with the kids, and we all went out to eat, and then she came back and picked him up, let him stay at her house, and then she drove him back to the trail the next day so he could finish his through hike. So what is the then the trail like? Are you going through towns at all? Are you mostly going through public lands? Are there, you know, road walks? Let's just talk about the makeup a little bit. So um, it's, you know, national forest, public lands, there's a decent amount of road walk. Alabama actually has almost no road walk now. Um, last I saw from the kind of the group that kind of handles the Alabama side, they were blazing the last part of new trail that's going to eliminate everything but like a mile or two, I think, of road walk in Alabama. And that portion of road walk is being left on purpose. They want you to walk through the town of Weogusco right after you come down from Flag Mountain. So that portion of road walk will stay, but everything else in Alabama now or here very soon will, will be, there'll be no road walks left in Alabama. So you go through a lot of national forest towns in Alabama. You don't, other than that small town, Weogusco, you don't walk through any other towns. The closest you get um, is probably Heflin, which is a trail town. They actually have built a spur trail from the trail to town, about three miles, I believe. And like when you get into Heflin, they bring you to City Hall. You get to meet the mayor. I mean, they they do it up down there. I mean, it's amazing. So they really um, embrace the trail. So, oh, oh yeah, they really. I think they've really seen that hikers can be a good thing for them. I mean, it's just a small 
town on the side of the interstate, but they've realized that, you know, they're close to the trail. They can bring people in from all over the country or the world into their town. And so they've, they've really stepped up. I mean, I've gone back there um, earlier this year with some guys. We were just doing some sections, and we decided we were going to hike the spur because the spur wasn't there when I hiked it. So we said, let's hike the spur. We'll go into town and we'll get some food. So we hiked it into the weekend, so nobody was at City Hall. But we got to City Hall, we were taking our picture out front, and one of the city councilmen pulled up in his truck. He's like, you guys are hikers, what do you need? He's like, I can take you wherever you need to go in town, you know, whatever. We're like, okay. So we were trying to get to a restaurant. He drove us to the restaurant, dropped us off, gave us his phone number, and said, whenever you're ready to get back, either to City Hall, if you want to hike the spur again, or I can take you all the way through the city park where the spur comes to, he said, I can drop you off there if you want, just call me when you're ready. So we ate, called him, he came, picked us up, drove us back so we could keep hiking. So they're very hiker-focused and like I said, it's kind of like they've made it a point in town to let people know, hey, there's going to be hikers coming through here, you know, they're going to bring money into the community, you know, help them out if you can. But I think that also, you know, puts an on us on a hiker too that, you know, you've got to be aware of your behavior like we all should be when we go into towns because, you know, that's going to influence, you know, the next hiker that comes through. If, if you act poorly, you know, then that that is a bigger repercussion for all the hiking community in an area than it is, you know, the good things people do. So. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, so, you know how you were talking earlier about the AT and mm-hmm. – Obviously, one of the things with that is they have a lot of trail magic, trail angels. Um, you were just referencing a little bit, you know, of that on the Pinote. But since there's not as many people hiking it, did you experience any of that with your section hikes beyond that? Is there, you know, like a trail association that you can contact so that they can set people up with with uh, others that want to help? Um, what I found is there's, there's Facebook pages for the Alabama Penhody and for the Georgia Penhody. And from what I've seen, that is, if you're going to hike it, it's best, if you're comfortable with announcing that you're going to be out there on those pages, that is going to get attention. Personally, I don't post when I'm going to be out. I, I don't post till I'm done just for privacy reasons and, you know, with a family at home. I don't want people knowing I'm going, so I don't, when I was on Facebook, I didn't post that. But I was in those groups and I would see where people would say, Hey, I'm going to be on the Penhody. And there'd be people like, Oh, Hey, when you get to here, call me, here's my number. You know, I'll help you out. Um, there's some people in Georgia that run cabins right off the trail that will put hikers up sometimes in their cabins. There's people that come pick you up and take you into town if you need to get into town. Um, so personally, like I said, when I did the first section, I had the advantage of being with someone that was, you know, pretty popular on YouTube. So he kind of had a following already and he was posting where he was. So we got some rather ridiculous trail magic at times because of that. Um, but then just when I've been out by myself, um, when I was in Georgia hiking through one of the long road walk sections, I met kind of one of the guys that heads up the Georgia side of the trail and he was out actually blazing. They had rerouted part of the trail. And he knew that I was coming and another lady were coming through that section. So he was trying to get all of it blazed before we got there so we'd know where to go. So I ran into him. He had actually just put the last blaze up when I got to him. So he was like, do you like in the Pinotti? And I said, yeah. And so we started talking and he gives everybody uh, 
a, a Pinhoti sticker, which is a pretty big sticker. It's actually the, the ones they use to stick on signs and stuff to blaze the trail. So he gave me a couple of those. And he said, here's my number. If you need anything, give me a call. He said, because I live right here in this area. Uh, and so that worked out good because I ended up, when I finished, when I got to the tournament, it's been sort of walking back. It had, it had got down to about 16 degrees that night. And so I was trying to get back to my car where I had parked it for that section. And it was taking me longer than I had planned. And it was getting dark. And so I ended up calling him. And he said, okay, I'm about to get off work. I'll come get you. He drove up this old Forest Service Road, picked me up. Drove me back to my car, so I got to my car at six o'clock instead of eleven p.m., which is about when I was going to get there. So there's definitely people out there that are looking to help hikers. Um, you know, I had a couple times where people had left water, you know, out in some of the sections. Um, I did one section of the Pinhoti. So when I did that section, the first day, that first 85 miles, I came back in September. I remember because it, it was a drought that year. In 2017, it had been really hot, and I was trying to go super ultra light. I had a, this tiny little pack, and I wasn't carrying a lot of water, and there was no water anywhere. And someone had left a bunch of smart water bottles at a trailhead, and so I was carrying four liters of water in this tiny little pack. And after that, I was like, I'm never carrying a small pack like that again because it was very uncomfortable trying to carry that much water, you know, when it was that hot, that dry, when you needed that much water. I even at one point found some partially consumed water bottles on the trail and actually picked those up and drank the water out of it and just packed the bottles out because that was, it was that bad. I was that thirsty and there was no water. So. so you had talked about a lot of the water crossings, but it also depends on, I guess, time of year and what, what's going on. Like you said, there's a drought. Mm-hmm. So don't don't right. plan on having water sources or look up the trail conditions find out what's happening. So, you know, right. if you just need to filter water or do you need to carry because you were doing it from a section, um, hike, were you carrying all your food or were you resupplying at certain points and what's, what's, you know, kind of going on with resupplies on the Pinhoti? Personally on my sections, I was generally always carrying all my food except smack the first section. When you get to Wheel Gus Gus or you're, Six miles in, there's a little country store there. You can get some snacks and stuff. Um, if you're going to take, well, before you get to Heflin, about mile 85, there's a state park there that you can walk a couple tenths of a mile up the road to the state park, and they have like a country store there where you can get, you know, snacks. And they've got some kind of, they got like mashed potatoes and the typical, you know, ramen and a hiker trash food that you can resupply off of. Um, if you go into Heflin, they actually have, you know, Dollar General, the hiker superstore. You know, they've got Dollar General and some things like that and restaurants. Uh, but then after Heflin, so Heflin's about mile 101-ish. Um, after that, there's nothing until you get to Cave Spring, Georgia. So until you hike all the way out of Alabama, you get to Cave Spring. So you go through about 70, 80 miles, I guess, with no resupply options unless you have a way to get off trail. And then in Cave Spring, it's kind of like Heflin, except you literally walk through the town. They've got a Dollar General and a grocery store and some things like that there and some restaurants. And then after you leave Cave Spring, you don't go through a town again until you get to Dalton, Georgia. And that is, that's a very big roadwalk section. It's 25 or 30-ish miles of roadwalk. But 
the benefit of that is there's a lot of gas stations and Walmart and Dollar General and so you know if you were doing it when it's warmer out you can stop to get a cold drink you get ice cream you can get you know food so a lot of people don't like road walks to me I like road walks there's ample opportunity for food and because there's not really views that's to me it's a kind of a section where I like to push myself and kind of how fast can you go and how far can you get um, but like we were saying on the water and even food there's um, on the Alabama side there's a couple that run a hostel at right around mile 20 um, Nathan and Kim Wright uh, they run the Penhody Outdoor Center and they'll actually tell them you can set up and all kinds of logistics travel stuff if you you know hey I want to fly to Birmingham how can I get to the start of the trail um, there'll be water caches food drops they're just a wealth of information um, for people to use. So the Georgia side is a little more tricky. There's not really, um, I know we haven't talked about it yet, but hostels, there's no hostels on the Georgia side at all. There's three on the Alabama side and one of them isn't actually on the trail. So there's only two. One is on trail pretty much and the one is kind of off trail, but so hostel wise, that is all there is for hostels. So like I said, they'll help with food and water drops, at least in the Alabama section. So Alabama has um, like a ridge walk section where there's a fair, even if it's been wet, there's a fair stretch. Um, I want to say it's 12 or 14 miles with no water on that section. So even if it's been wet, there's some sections that you're just, you're up on a ridge and unless you're willing to drop a mile or two down, um, there's not really any way to get water up there. So you have to be you know, willing to carry water or drink a bunch of water and then just kind of you know, blaze through that section. So, so you were mentioning some hostels. What about mm-hmm. where you were staying when you were sleeping out there? Were, are there any types of shelters or are you just setting up camp along the way? Um, in the Alabama side of the trail, there are shelters. They're kind of randomly spaced. Um, Georgia only has one shelter, and that's literally as soon as you cross the border, right before you get into Cave Spring, there is a shelter there, and then there's no shelters the rest of the trail in Georgia. So mostly it's, you know, you're finding a stealth spot and setting up two nights out there where I've actually had to sleep in a pit toilet. So, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Was that because it was cold out there too? <laughs> Trying to stay warm? Um, the the first time it was raining, it was raining really bad, and where we had gotten to, we weren't going to go any further. And there was some pit toilets there. We had actually tried to camp in our pavilion first, but the wind was blowing so hard and kept shifting, you couldn't find a spot where you could really kind of stay dry. We didn't want to set our tents up, so we just actually we went and checked the pit toilets, and they were pretty clean. And we just said, "We're just going to sleep in here." So we each took a, one of the one of the bathrooms and set up our stuff in there and just went to sleep. The second time I was out by myself and I hadn't had cell service and I was supposed to have a clear weather window for my whole trip. I was trying to actually finish the last third of the Pinhoti and I'd gone out, got started a little late and the first day I did some extra miles and I was kind of, kind of pushing it, kind of pushing miles, pushing miles. I wasn't getting any cell service. I finally got to this overlook and got cell service and checked and the weather had changed from no rain to seven days straight of rain. So I booked it off the top of that, 
overlooked that I was at down as far as I could get. I made it to a pit toilet and it was supposed to start raining at pretty much midnight and then rain from then as far forward as you could see on the forecast. So I decided I'd rather sleep in the bathroom and not have to take down a wet tent and all that stuff in the morning since I had the option to be dry. So I slept in there, uh, woke up in the morning and it had rained so hard water was actually coming under the walls of the bathroom into the bathroom. So I took all my stuff, got ready real quick and took off in the rain and almost got hypothermia. It was probably 39 to 40 degrees outside and I didn't put my rain jacket on. I just put my rain kilt on and I had an umbrella and I got really wet and it was so cold and so windy that I couldn't stop long enough to even put my rain jacket on. So I just hiked as fast as I could, made it to town, I made it to Dalton. And I went into a Zaxby's. I got in there. I ordered food because I was like, if I eat some food, I can warm up. It'll be great. And I was so cold, I couldn't even eat. I kept shaking so bad, I would drop my food. I couldn't operate my phone, so I had to go in the bathroom and turn the hand dryer on. And I just stood there under the hand dryer for probably 15 or 20 minutes till I thawed out. I mean, hypothermia can is no joke. You could, yeah. I mean, you're like, Not. you can get pretty, pretty bad out there for getting wet and stuff. So. It's good that you had a place to go to get to get dry. So I ended up having abandoned that trip, so I got um, there, and I called my shuttle driver and said, hey, you know, the weather's changed. He said, yeah, I'm actually pulling some guys off the AT right now. I said, well, can you come get me and take me back to my car? Because my car was actually at Springer Mountain. I was going to hike from High Point Trailhead on the Penhody all the way to the Benton Mackay. I was going to hike south on the Benton Mackay back to Springer and then go home. Um, so... When I was checking the weather, you know, they were saying there was already flash flood warnings, and I knew I had several serious water crossings coming up. And so most of the of the creeks and rivers that I had to cross were already above flood stage, so I decided to just call it. And he couldn't come get me that night, so I said, look, there's a hotel right here. I'm just going to go get in a hot tub and warm, try and warm up and dry out and just come get me in the morning. So. Then that's another good thing about Dalton is there's plenty of hotels and there's food. And so even though you've got a long road walk, there's some benefit to that road walk. It also sounds like you, you were saying things don't, you know, aren't always going as how you planned, right? I mean, with any hike, it's never exactly how you plan it. So, so one of the key things was just being flexible or having some options, you know, even if you had planned to be to Springer, you did have a shuttle option so you could, could get out of there if you wanted to. I was like, part of it too is, you know, you've got to be willing to modify your plans if needed because, you know, part of you is like, oh, these water crossings may not be that bad. You know, I could probably do them. And then what happens if you hike out from town and you're out in the middle of nowhere and the water crossing is terrible and then you've got to turn around and hike back in the pouring rain and the cold? You know, sometimes, you know, it's better cost you have to then to then to risk it and get in a bad situation or so you get a couple couple water crossings in and you get to a bad one and you can't go forward well then now you got to go back and if it's been raining the whole time you may not be able to get across the ones that you've already made it across so you know i think a lot of times you know we let our ego get in the way and we're like oh yeah you know i've got these plans and i've you know got this amount of time and i've got to get this done because you know i said i was going to do it you know, you've got to be willing to, you know, like I said, you've got to be flexible. You've got to be willing to change your plans because you know, sometimes it's just not meant to be. So did you 
after you did that trip, did you get back out there to finish it? I did. So uh, since I made it to Dalton, so then I had about 26 miles left of Alabama to do. And then I had 60-ish miles of Georgia left to do. So November of 2019, I went out Veterans Day week, and I said, I'm just going to knock this thing out. I'm going to get it all done. So I started, I actually started in Georgia. I finished Georgia, got all the way to Terminus, but that wasn't my Terminus. So I wasn't done. So I started, and it was supposed to get pretty cold. It actually, like I said, it got down to 16 degrees a night or two, which was colder than it was actually supposed to get. And I ran into a, a lady that was through hiking, um, and she only had, her sleep system was only good for about 30 degrees at night. So when I had um, stopped at one of the gas stations on the trail, on the roadwalk, um, one of the ladies there um, had, she said, hey, if you run into her, um, here's my phone number. Call me if you guys need anything. I'll come pick you up wherever you're at, and you can stay at my house. It's supposed to get really cold, and I'll bring you back to trail in the morning. So um, I had that, and then I had um, some people had given me a bunch of hand warmers, you know, those chemical hand warmers. I had a bunch of those. Even though I didn't want to carry them, I was like, I don't want these. They're heavy. I literally had a stack, probably five inches thick of hand warmers that people had given me. So I ended up running into her, and that night I said, look, you know, my sleep system is good down to about 20, I'm pretty sure. You know, yours is 30. Do you want any of these? And she's like, I don't know. And I said, look, you just take some. If you don't, you know, want to use them, give them back to me in the morning. It's fine. And so she, the next morning, she's like, thank you for those. She said, that's what got me through the night. She said, it was cold. So, um, but so we, we actually hiked the rest of the trail together. We got to the terminus. We actually hiked past the terminus. We were kind of talking and not paying attention. And when you're going north then on the Penhody, the sun is in a really weird spot. Like it's not facing you. It's actually facing BMP hikers. So we hiked past the, the terminus and just kept on going and we're talking and all of a sudden, I look up and I said, "That's a white diamond on the tree. It's a BMT blade." And I'm like, "What the heck just happened?" And she's like, "Are you sure?" And so I pulled out a good hook and I was like, "We're like seven tenths of a mile past the end." <laughs> so like, oh around. man! So we turned around and hiked back, took each other's pictures at the terminus, and then she went on because she was hiking to Springer, and then I had to go back and literally. I don't know, a couple tenths of a mile before you get to the terminus, you have to cross a creek that's probably 20 to 30 feet wide. And it's probably knee deep. And it was, you know, 20 degrees outside. So it's, you're breaking through ice while you're going through the creek. And you're just, oh. it was great. <laughs> <laughs> but you made it. So, so yeah. now that you finished it um, and did all the sections, because then you said you went back to do a section in Alabama too. And so I got that night, I got picked up by uh, Richard Moon, who's kind of like over the Georgia part of the Penelope Trail. He came pick me up, took me back to my car. I drove back to Chatsworth, uh, which where the trail goes through back to the gas station where the lady had you know, given me her number and I went back there to eat some pizza and try to figure out. Cause I was supposed to drive back to Cheehaw State Park in Alabama that night and I was going to hike out, but I didn't plan on taking as long as it did because I had slowed down on my hike. So I ended up calling my aunt and uncle. They live in Georgia. I called them. They said, oh, yeah, come on over, spend the night, whatever. So I went and stayed at their house. 
got up the next morning, then drove to the park, and then I had about 26 miles to do. Um, so I got started kind of late. So I hiked in about nine miles, and I had actually ran into a guy that was hiking a section. So I started talking to him. One thing led to another, and you know we only ended up making it nine miles. So we set up camp, and then inevitably, of course, rain moves in again. So I had to hike the rest of the mileage that day in the rain. Um, but then I finally did finish back where I started in 2018. <laughs> so, and I found out what I got where I didn't realize until I got home, because I videoed my hikes. I had left my mic hooked up to my phone the whole time for a couple of days, and I hadn't been checking my footage every day. I was just, and so those, that last day of footage, I had no sound for that entire day because my mic had gotten wet and it kind of shorted out. When I got to the turn, when my turn in when I finished, that whole emotional thing, no sound. I was like, oh my gosh. So, but. Now you have you the know. memories. That's right. Yeah. And I learned a lesson, you know, yeah. extra footage. <laughs> so, um, so you said you did video through the whole way. So is that posted out on um, a YouTube channel of yours? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, Leonidas on the trail. Um, so I've got. Stuff from AT section hikes. Um, I've got most of the pin hoodie. The middle third that I did, I didn't video at that time. I was kind of in a spot where I was trying to decide if I really enjoyed making videos or not. So I didn't video any of that, but I've gone back and hiked probably half of that section in parts, and I've videoed all that. So there's, there's a gap in some sections, but there's some other YouTube creators out there that do have footage for those sections as well. Um, so I've got those are out there and then I've done a video for the Pentody on the trail towns that you're going to encounter. Um, so I did a video on that just to give people, cause like you said, there's not a, there's not a lot of information on the Pentody out there. Um, well, that's great. I will definitely link to your channel and then uh, that'll be great information for people to check out and learn more about it before they either set out on a, you know, some day hikes, you know, whether they're doing sections or, or trying to do, do the whole thing at once. So after you finished, kind of looking back and you've had a few months, you know, it's been what, um, a year now, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what advice would you give to people who are looking to, to get out on the Pinhoti? Um, well, one thing it's, it's a difficult trail. I mean, and I think it's really, you know, if you're going to decide to do day hikes, that's one thing, or sections, you've got to really be, you really need to look at, you know, your resupply options and whether or not you want to, you know, have somebody do food drops because of kind of the distance between some of the sections if you don't hike fast. Um, you know, it can be, you know, some, there's, you know, 70, 80 mile gaps of no services. So if you're a 10 mile a day hiker, you know, you're carrying seven or eight days of food and that's pretty heavy. So, you know, you've really got to kind of look at those things and, you know, be be real with yourself and, you know, to figure out what's the best way to approach the trail for you. You know, you know a lot of people, you know, think, oh, through hike is this great and glorious thing, but a lot of people don't have that kind of time, you know, and, and so sections, day hikes, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of guys out there that do trail maintenance on the Penhody that one of the guys, I think he's, he has, 
they hiked in the Penhody 17 or 18 times total doing maintenance. Wow. So he just, you know, parks the car, he goes out a certain distance with a saw and cuts and then hikes back and then moves his car. And so it's definitely hikeable if you're, you know, if you've got two people with cars, you know, there's pretty good, you know, staging that you can do without too much difficulty. And like I said, you know, there's groups that will assist with that kind of stuff, logistics as well. So, I mean, that's definitely a trail that you can do kind of any way you want to do it, really. If you underestimate the trail for one thing and you can't, you know, put in a lot of miles, you've really got to look at, you know, what is the best way to approach this logistically to be able to get it completed because especially with some of the roadwalk sections, you know, they can be long. And so, you know, if you can't complete that section in a day, there's not anywhere to camp. You've got to, you know, have a way to get off off the road to go somewhere. So you know, I've heard people say, oh, it's a good kind of primer for the AT. And I'm like, in, in a way, it's harder than the AT. So I guess it is a good primer because the AT with services and things so easily accessible, you know, it's it's kind of, it's it's a harder, I guess, physical hike on the AT just because of the elevation change and all that. But logistically, I think the Penhody or like the BMT can get you ready for like a CDT or a PCT style hike where, you know, there's, it's much more logistically challenging than the AT is just because of how resupply options are spaced and things like that. So. What was your favorite uh, or was, did you have a favorite section or part that you hiked uh, there? I'm trying to think probably, I guess like near the end in Georgia, it's, it's very AT-esque there. It's very mountainous and climbing up and down and the fact that you know when I was going through it was snowing so it just everything was white it was beautiful you know there's icicles everywhere so that to me was probably my favorite section and because I prefer to hike when it's cold so you know, the temperature was nice I'm not sweating you know I don't have to carry as much water because I'm not as thirsty so I think probably that north Georgia section once you get off the road walk coming out of Dalton that whole section you're just kind of out that's it's really beautiful um, you pass, there's a huge tree right off the side of the trail. It's a, it's a poplar, and it's, I mean, it probably, I'm 6'2", and I've, you know, got a pretty big arm span, and it probably would have taken four of me to reach around this tree. I mean, it's huge. So that whole section was just, that's probably my favorite. It was just, you know, beautiful. You're out there in the middle of nowhere, and there's, that's probably my favorite. So... You mentioned how this year your plans, uh, you know, shifted because of COVID. You couldn't get out to do uh, the section, I think, section hike of the AT. What are you looking forward to uh, for 2021? Well, my plans have already changed for 2021, actually. I've been kind of, like I said, I usually go to AT kickoff. So this year, my initial plan was I was going to try and challenge myself again. I was going to leave from AT kickoff when it ended, and I was going to try to hike from Springer all the way to Newfound Gap, which is about 210 miles in six days. So I was going to try and go Springer to Franklin in three days, zero in Franklin for a day, and then go from Franklin to Newfound in three days. Just I like to push myself. I just wanted to see if I could do 35s every day and pull it off. And I have a, a friend that does trail magic on the AT that was kind of like, I'll, I'll be your support guy. 
I'll meet you at Red Cross things because he does trail magic on the AT. He's like, so when you come in, I'll just feed you, and then I'll just kind of jump along with you so I can feed hikers and feed you. So I was like, oh, that sounds great. Um, but um, the one thing that did change this year is I started hiking with other people more this year, so I did several uh, Penhody section hikes with some guys that actually live here in Alabama that I had never met before. They kind of – one of them had uh, – made a comment on one of my Penhodio videos a couple of years ago and I'm like, hey, you know, I live in Alabama, we should hike together or something. I'm kind of like, okay, I don't know. So um, we ended up meeting up and I went out and hiked with them and had a great time. So we ended up hiking together several times this year. Um, he actually hiked with me on uh, my BMT hike when I uh, finished the hike the last third or so when you're going through the Smokies. He's working on a Smokies 900 miler, so he hadn't done that section. So he actually came, met me, brought me a resupply box of food, and then hiked with me the last four or five days of the trip. So that was something that was different this year. Like I said, normally I just kind of I do my own thing in March. I go out with my wife in the summer, and then in the fall I usually go out by myself again and do something. So I did because of COVID. Uh, you know, we canceled our spring, our summer trip, so that kind of freed up some time that I was planning on, you know, using for hiking. So I ended up doing a bunch of smaller, like weekend trips. Um, I actually went out and through one of the guys I met on the Penhody, who's also a YouTube guy, I got to go out and hike the first segment of the MST with some other guys from YouTube back in October. October? No, it was in September. So that would have, you know, normal in a normal year. I would have, that wouldn't have happened. So that's kind of changed my perspective. I've kind of noticed that I, I like hiking by myself at times because that's kind of my, my, my time to just push myself and do, you know, the miles that I want to do. When I hike with my wife, I pull back and I do, I hike her hike. And so when I've hiked with other people, again, you know, you're, you've got to kind of adapt. And I think it's good because I've seen, you know, some, some ways other people do things and approach things that have helped me kind of shape the way I do things when I'm out. So, uh, so like I said, I was going to hike out of a tea kickoff, but I've canceled that because I potentially have the opportunity to hike with Benny, uh, plug it in hikes, and a friend of his. Uh, we're kind of in negotiations on doing a trip. So I canceled the AT kickoff trip because I said, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I've got couple trips that are already set in stone so I'm just gonna you know that one was more of just I guess to, to pat myself on the back and go hey I did this mile mileage of these many days there's really no benefit yeah than you know personal gratification I guess so, so are you uh so are you guys uh still planning is there um anything you can share yet or are you just still kind of figuring it out um, I thought when I saw him on Saturday, we kind of talked about it and we're kind of still up in the air. We've got to okay. see what all three of us can line up and work on. The Penhody has actually been discussed because Benny wants to do the Penhody and, uh, his friend wants to do the Penhody. So that is a possibility. I did mention to Benny, I said, look, if we're going to do the Penhody, I want to do it sober. I want to, I want to go the other way. So that is one thing we've tossed around, but it's just going to depend on timing. Um, but then for sure, as long as everything's open, uh, my wife and I will um, set off 
at the end of May, and we'll start off from Damascus on the AT, and then we'll go, we're hiking to Delville, so it's about 270 miles, so that'll be her longest mileage-wise trip. Uh, last year, or no, two years ago was the first year that we were usually doing a week at a time, and I kept like, hey, let's try two weeks, and she's like, no, I can't be going for the kids that long, and I'm like, the kids are fine, they're with my parents, they're having a great time, they don't want us to come home, you know, I was like, let's, let's do it. So, um, 2018 or 2019, I got her to try it when we did um, Hot Springs to Damascus. Had a great time. We actually were in the tail end of the northbound bubble, so that was an interesting dynamic. Cause usually, you know, when you're section hiking, we were going in the summer because she's a teacher. So, we were, there was other people out there, but not a bubble like, you know, people are, north, are used to. But so when we went out that year, we were literally around a group of 40 or 50 people the whole trip. whole different type of experience. A whole, whole different yeah. experience. Um, so, that can be good or we, bad, you know, depending yeah, on, yeah. on how you make it, right? Right. So, like I said, we're going to try and do about 270 miles in two weeks this year, which I told her, Virginia is a lot more flat, right? And then every day, it's time to smoke easier. So we're going we're gonna to do that. And then, uh, but you got Shenandoah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah, well, well, actually, yeah. But she's also excited because we're going to go through the Virginia Triple Crown. Oh, so, yeah. So, uh, Cliffs, but her biggest thing is Grayson Island. She's been just, oh, I want to see the ponies. I want to see the ponies. So, I'm like, this year, ponies. So, she's really excited for that. So, then after that trip in November, I'm going to try and do an SKT on the trail that I was actually supposed to do this year instead of the BMT. I was actually going to do the BMT next year, and potentially Benny was going to hike it with me. He's been wanting to hike it again, and another friend of mine had talked about hiking it. We've been talking about doing it together, but then with all the stuff this year, with having the postponed trips and move things around, I ended up with some extra time. I said, well, if I'm going to do an SKT, I only... If, if I can achieve it, I only need about five days, four or five days to do this trip. So I said, I've got two weeks. Yeah, that's way more time than I need. It just made more sense to try to do the BMT this year. So that is potentially in November, as long as everything works out and nobody gets it before I do. Because I'm I'm kind of approaching it as, you know, a lot of SKTs, people are out there and they're pushing 50 plus miles per day. And I'm, I'm not trained to that point yet where I think I can get out there and do that kind of mileage. But I don't want to go out there and just mail it in either because nobody holds the record and just go, oh, yeah, I did it in 25 miles a day. I got the SKT. So my goal was kind of I really want to get at least 40 miles per day in every day to then claim the SKT, even though I know most likely someone's going to come behind me and, and blow my time out. Yeah, once it's to, out there, it's right. right. going to be yeah. fair game. And, and I would at least put a respectable attempt out there instead of just mailing it in and going, yeah, yeah, it's in the thirties, whatever. So, but I'm, I'm kind of concerned about it because there's been, I've seen where people have attempted it and everyone has bailed on it. So, I've got this kind of apprehension. I'm like, what? There's got to be something going on with the trail that I don't know for no one to have this record, even though people have attempted it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I may get out there and fail miserably and come home and just be another on the list of people that bailed on this trail. But 
so okay. At least I got out there and tried. So. Well, I uh, I definitely look forward to following what you're doing next year and um and yeah, thank you so much for sharing more about the Benhodi. You've uh, piqued my interest. Uh, I definitely want to hit up the North Georgia sections of it. Yeah, so I'll put links to your uh, profile to uh, sure. to the resources you mentioned as well, and then of course to to the YouTube so people can check out uh, the hikes that you've done and and uh, what's the best way for people to ask you questions. Honestly, want to contact me on Instagram. Uh, at Leonidas on the trail. That's pretty much the best way to get a hold of me. And I'd say if you want to ask a question, just ask the question. If you DM me, don't just say hi or hey. I generally just delete those because I have no idea what those are about. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. There's some strange people out there. So if you have a question, I don't mind. I get people just ask questions, you know, fairly often. Just ask the question. I don't mind answering especially about the Penhody or, you know, hiking in general or, you know, anything like that. I mean, I don't, I don't mind taking time to answer those. I mean, that's how we learn is from other people. So. Well, thank you again for your time. No problem. All right. I enjoyed it. So until next time, see you on the trail. <laughs>